podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Thursday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am your host Craig Fowler and I am joined in person in my flat in sunny Gorbals by Craig G. Telfer. Hello Craig. Hello Craig, it's wonderful to be here. I think this is the first time I've done a live podcast. First time I've done a live podcast with you in a while. First time I've done a podcast that's been recorded, certainly in person a lot of times it's been online. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I earned a t-shirt. So... <laughs> Really, it's like in The Simpsons, you know, when Homer wears a tie to try and impress Laddie. That's the same vibe <laughs> that I'm going for with this. I was actually thinking that because, uh, as you say quite a lot of the time, I am dressed as if I'm here to tarmac somebody's driveway. You look like the sort of a, a, a tarmacker's granddad who <laughs> sort of project manages it without actually doing all that much. The granddad's wearing Adidas. I suppose someday. Well, I mean, I don't think it's about the brand, but just generally what <laughs> just you're wearing. Just, I wear my... my um, any, anything that's elasticated. My, my, yes. See, but it's, it's both... We're both dressed appropriately. You, yeah. you, you've dressed appropriately to come to somebody else's house. Yes. And I am dressed appropriately for being in my own house. Yes, if it was the other way round, then, then we'd be like, what's... That would be quite yeah. That would be quite funny. So, I'm just ironed a shirt and you just come up. In my pyjamas. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not the case, I can assure you. I, uh, I've had this ironed and I'm ready to go, so no, I, I want to make that clear. I'm very much a man who's just like, fuck it, I don't care, comfort. Unless I'm going on a night out all the time. I just wear joggies all the time now, unless I'm go- literally going to a pub. See, the the thing that's about that though, Fowler, wearing joggies, it allows you to fall into... A, or, or you don't watch your, you don't watch yourself. You know what I mean? We're, this is the first podcast I think I've done on twenty twenty four. I think that I mean I really enjoyed myself over the Christmas period. You know, I was, I was eating like a pig, like a disgusting yes. pig, like the pig from that episode of Black Mirror. That's the state that I got into over Christmas. So I'm just at the st- <laughs> you got pumped by the prime minister. Yeah, it was it was, it was grotesque. <laughs> <laughs> but I said we're at the stage now where see when you start wearing your when you're going out more often or, or, or like you're not in the house when you actually start putting your old clothes on you put your jeans on you think oh geez oh these were a lot tighter I remember them to be mm. that's, that's where I feel just now so I've made a bet with myself that I can lose a stone by the end of February yeah I'm aiming for similar I'm so. aiming for similar I was telling you all fair the heaviest I've been since I was 21 years old I mean I didn't bring that up to shame you I just, <laughs> I was, I was just <laughs> bring it up as a conversation it's the, point it's Christmas period I done my, I done my back it is. my back went out again kind of mm. late this no, sorry, early December, late November maybe. And typically before when it's happened, it's kind of fixed itself a bit more earlier. I was just expecting, and it wasn't the worst twinge I've ever had. So I was like, oh, a couple of weeks I'll be back at the gym, neighbor. I basically couldn't go to the gym for like six weeks. So then that was the lead up to Christmas. And then the Christmas period. Of course. Like the way you're doing that, it's like the seat. That's like the sequel to Oh, What a Night. I hurt my back. Late November, <laughs> back in 23. What a very sorry time for me. That's, that's that's quite impressive. That is. <laughs> I was kind of a bit. I was in my head. I, was, I wasn't listening to what you were saying. I was like, I hope he stops finished speaking, <laughs> so then I can drop that zinger because I didn't have it written down. It's funny do, doing these podcasts now, where I'm listening to them back so intently. I not only listen to them back to edit them, but also then watching them to mm-hmm. edit the videos. It's often when I'm doing a podcast with Tony in person at his, 
and I'm like looking, I'm looking at the time, thinking, right, let's keep this to about an under an hour. And I'm looking at my notes thinking, right, where are we going next? And there's been so many times he's made like a, a, a great point at the end of what he said. It was like, I could have really had, said something good there and continued the conversation, but I'm just not listening I, to I, it I, at all. I think the thing is, Ophelia, this is a lower league podcast. It's really clarify yes. it's lower league podcast. So, so time doesn't really, time's not a factor when it comes to lower leagues. More about vibes than it is about getting things down to a nice, succinct hour. Believe me, I know that. <laughs> right, let's get to the patented. Yes. Three game roundup, mm-hmm. and we shall begin last Friday night at Hamden Park <sighs> with a long, long, long awaited victory. That's going to be a theme of this podcast, actually. Mm-hmm. Long awaited victory for Queen's Park, beating Dunfermline by two goals to one. Now, I didn't see the game, I watched the highlights. You watched the game. What's your general thoughts before we get to the kind of themes of the match? Right, to, to sum up this match, uh, there was on the electronic advertising boards around the ground. There's an advertisement for person-centred palliative care. And I thought I really could be doing with some of that rather than watching this game of football. I thought it was a miserable game of football. I, th- I thought it was a, a really poor advert for the division, given the fact that I watched another game on Tuesday night in League One. That was a really good game of football. It was really exciting. That was played at a good tempo. I thought this was this was a Queen's Park side who had for almost forgotten how to win games. Mm. I mean, it was what that was uh, since middle of August that they had last won a match. I think it was what, what did they say? It was something like the first win in sixteen games, and it just looked like a, a side who were, were quite nervous that that were looked inhibited. And I think they were they came up against the Dunfermline Athletic side who really short in numbers. I think they, oh, they God, two players that went off injured. Yakubiak and, and Aaron Comrie went off injured. And I think that Dunfermline could actually put out a pretty reasonable looking. Like group of players from from the the squad that they they, ha- they don't have available. Yeah, somebody actually did that in Pine Bovril. Yeah, it was literally, I think it was only a, a goalie and another forward player short of a, like a proper team. Aye, exactly. But I, I didn't think this was a good game of football. I and I I think that on top of that, I don't want to sound like SPFL Media Watch. Believe me, I do not want to sound like SPFL Media Watch. But I think when you look at Hamden on the television oh God, like that. It just didn't look like a lot of fun. And that was reflected on the, the calibre of the match. However, I think the most important thing is a huge result for Queen's Park because, mm. as we say, first one in 16, first one in five months. And crucially, Already off the bottom. It takes them off the bottom of the table. Yeah, they've uh, they've been replaced by our broth there. So, yeah, that's that, they're, they're probably the only positives you can really say about this game. And they have now got themselves a new manager as well. I think I, I was actually really interested on your thoughts to this because as an outsider looking in, you think at one point back in the the twenty 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 one season, like you would have said that Callum Davidson would have been the most up and coming young manager mm. in the UK, like a, a, a League Cup and a, a Scottish Cup double with St Johnson. That's that's a phenomenal achievement. So you really have to ask yourself, where's it gone wrong that he's managing Queens Park? And I know that Queens Park will come with its advantages. I think that it's a quite a, a reasonably well paid job. Mm. I think that that the club would have pushed the boat out. Certainly, perhaps dipping into Willie Hawhey's slush fund to. To, to to bring him in but from going from from winning that that cup double to really doing quite a bad job at St Johnson latterly where, mm. where the fans were just like we just we, I think the impression was we just want him to go, to go so you know I was, I was going to come and talk about Callum Davidson later but we might as well just touching him touching him now since you brought him up so you and Sean have talked on the the previous shows quite a few times mm. about Queen's Park's supposed 10 year plan like the tenure plan they had with, uh, it wasn't Veldman. It was, Marion Bucher. Yes, Marion Bucher. And I'd agreed with Sean, by the way. He was never going to, it was just, it just always happens in football. It's like a tenure plan. It's the same with the performance director, the SFA. Like, the, I think the, 
I think the recommendation for that was that that person should always be in a job for 10 years because it's just such a big thing to oversee. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't think we've had a performance director that's lasted more than two years. <laughs> but it's kind of, so the way that that 10-year plan, and it was all about bringing through the young players and focusing really like, very intently on that. And it was a style, Dutch style, bringing through them, making them good footballers, mm-hmm. making them play good football. Callum Davidson's teams don't play good football at all. So just to me, it just feels already, I'm sure the club will well, deny it, but it feels already that that 10-year plan is, is already changed. Well, they, don't, they don't have a CEO. I mean, no one's coming to, sorry, beg your pardon, they don't have a director of football. They don't have a CEO now anyway. Leanne yeah. Dempsey's has left, but they don't have a director of football. Marion Bucher's left, and surely if you were doing things the proper way, you'd have appointed a new director of football who would then in turn appoint a head coach, as it were, who fits into all these criteria. And it feels as though that with Callum Davidson, you're going back to rather than a head coach, you're going back to more traditional like manager. Aye. It it just seems like Bucher's away. So, okay, that plan's at the window. What we're going to do now? Okay, who's available? Callum Davidson, he'd probably do a good job. Well, as get him instead like that just it, it, it's just what football clubs do all the time when they when they unveil these plans and they, they never ever seem to ever see them through mm-hmm. and it just feels like another version of that as for this season you'll know a lot more about Queen's Park than me have they got the players to play in a 3-4-3 because they're going to that's a good question I'm trying to think of who the fullbacks are Tommy Rolson and one fullback I think who's it that's not too bad Lewis Reed Miller. Uh, no, is <laughs> the is the answer? They're very much built up to play like four two three one. Mm. Very much built up to play the, the four two three one. I mean, they've only got one striker at yeah. the club in in Peyton. I mean, did they, he did he get did he get it wrong? Davidson might. I mean, I think he's last game. He went well back four, but that was it was very rare that he. I was getting it. the impression really he was second guessing himself with 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 by changing away from a, a three to a four. You're you're like. Let's just try this. Ah, this is this is just the end of days. The yeah. Point. It was like right. I need to try and save my job some way. The fans are constantly going on about the street at the back. All right. Here's a four. Okay. We've got beat again. Okay. That's me out of a job. Aye. It's, it feels as though that having read again on Pine Bovel, I don't like I don't like complaining about people, but I'm going to do it again. The St Johnson fan goes under the username Random Guy. And he must have a cert. He must have a notification that any time someone mentions St Johnson, regardless <laughs> of what thread it is. Because he comes in and starts commenting. Fan, is it? no, it's like that meme with a bat signal. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I'll need to post. But he, he was in, and it's, it's very interesting reading his post because I'm sure that, I, I just remember like when Callum Davidson's departure was announced on, I think it was Sky Sports, it was live, Ailey mm. Barber, it was mid middle of the game, can't remember the game, but Ailey Barber had announced that Callum Davidson was away. And James McFadden was like, "That's a crazy decision." Oh like, yeah, like, yeah, and it's like you're you're not paying attention because it's it felt as though that St Johnson fans, who to my mind St Johnson are like a, just a, like a, a Premiership, a small Premiership club, but a good Premiership club who can occasionally finish in the top six. They've got the right players on the pitch and the right manager. They can achieve that, and it's almost like they were gaslit into believing that mediocrity was weight and they were lucky to lucky to it be was, there. It was one of those things where, well, I th- mainly I think McFadden said it because his pals with Davidson. I think that, that was the suggestion. I, I think their careers might have even overlapped at St. Johnson. Right. Because Davidson went back and was a coach and then went away again and then came back as manager. Uh, or was he even assistant to write? Regardless, mm. he was there. He was there. He came back as a player and he was there as a coach as well. Went away, came back, whatever. McFadden also had the spell at St. Johnson. Mm-hmm. 
I think about the same time. So I think right. they're pals. So I think right. that was kind of it. I think that was basically what McFadden was doing there. But uh, you do see it all the time because, like you say, they're not paying attention. They're, they're looking at St. Johnson winning two cups. And you just, fans of other teams just always seem to think like, okay, job for life. Doesn't matter what's happening. You've done that, so regardless of what you do for this point forward, that's mm-hmm. fine, that's just it. You don't ever deserve to be sacked. Yeah, it was almost like the years like 2031, St. Johnson are like in League 2, battling against dropping into the Highland League, and people say, Davidson's got to go, ah, I remember. So it'll be interesting to see what he does at, at Queen's Park. It'll be very, very interesting to see what he does at Queen's Park, because I think that they're a team... I went to see Queen's Park early in the season that was a nil-nil draw at Hamden against Hamilton it wasn't a very particularly good game of football and at that point I think Sean and I had done a podcast where I commented on, on Queen's Park and said they just looked overcoached mm. and what I meant by that was that they just looked I used the word inhibited where they were just caught, intent on keeping the ball rather than doing anything with it it was like if there was you could perhaps play a riskier pass forward why do that when you can just like pass it sideways or pass it back? And and so it was a pretty like low intensity, dull game of football. I think with this one, um, they, I don't know if they were the better side against Dunfermline. They obviously, the, the scoreline reflects it and they, they did have a, a particularly, a, a good goal ruled out. It looked like a good goal ruled out in the first half. Peyton had a shot after, uh, and scored after play was brought back. Both goals, oh, though. <laughs> side decision was absolutely a, ridiculous. That's horrendous. He must have been a good three yards on um, off, off, And then he's as well the covering defender that's playing him on. He, he's, he makes a wee kind of movement, but it's not like he charges back. And also, it's on the linesman's side. I know. I, I, look, know. I actually looked at linesman. I think he... <laughs> I actually think he's like... I locked the back door. He seems to just stop. I, he's forgotten something. Yeah. Like... like When's it my wife's birthday? Shit. Shit. <laughs> that's it. Flag up. <laughs> but I mean, the, both both Queen's Park goals, there was an, an element of fortune with them. Mm. You know, the first goal, there's like Ben Summers loses possession like in the middle of the park. Actually, and then the, the defence just lets Peyton get a shot off as well. Yeah, that, I thought that was really poor. So, I mean, you can you can blame, I think that, that you can blame Summers, but there's a good few seconds and, and Peyton's got a lot of time on the ball before he gets his shot away. So, there's, that, that, there's both points of failure there. And Thomas, Dom Thomas later on has a shot. It looks like it's, it looks like that Mehmet's kind of got it saved, but it, it seems to take a massive deflection off Chris Hamilton and loop up uh, and into yeah. the net. So there's a degree of fortune with them, with them there. But I suppose that at the moment, like Queen's Park, would just simply will not care. No, just, yeah, it, three, three points or three points. It gives a shit. Yeah. Rory Payton, uh, he was kind of, what I came to speak about with, with Queen's Park because for a really crap team to score, how many goals have he got now? 15? 15 and two, I think it's 15 and 26 appearances. Yeah, slightly inflated by the four he scored against Elgin when Elgin were an absolute state in the summer and he scored against Ballatown as well. However, all the goals against Ballatown not count all of a sudden. Uh, count less. <laughs> but even to get 10, even to get 10 in the league for a team that's been that bereft for so much of it is just just really impressive. Yeah, definitely. It deserves a lot. I think that I remember seeing Peyton when he was playing at Stranraer. So he'd have been, I think, early, late, late, early, late teens, early 20s at that point. And one of the things that, that I, I was really impressed about him is just he's a very, like, he's very sure of himself and very confident. And what I mean by that is, like, you can see he's, he's Queen's Park's, like, only striker. He's, he's the only striker in the books at Queen's Park. The other player they had, Scott Williamson, is on loan at Cove Rangers at the moment. They need a wee bit more development time before bringing him into the championship. So Peyton effectively will play every single week, like uncontested. And what I mean, what I like about Peyton, what I mean by his confidence is that 
all the chances to fall to him, like, you know, strikers, if they miss a chance, they can sometimes get to him, they can sometimes second-guess themselves. Mm. He doesn't do that. He's very gallus, and he will oh, want yeah. to keep on... He, I mean, he saw his post-match interview, you know, he says it's a kick up the arse that they need. But he's very, very confident, and he'll keep on He'll keep on going, and if he if he misses a, misses a shot, it doesn't, it doesn't really phase him. He will keep on playing to the same standard. He's been a massive part of, say, the... The success they've had this season, but he's. If it wasn't for him, I think they'd be in a far poorer position. Yeah, it's it's crazy that he, it was like that at Queens as well, where he just he, like he, he misses. He's kind of like that whole Andy Cole thing, you know, four mm. chances to, to score one goal. But it, it, it's very impressive to do that in a team that doesn't for the season has really struggled to create a lot of chances. It's one of those forwards that just manages. And I used to say this about Adam Rooney quite a lot back in the day that he just creates chances through. Being on the pitch through his movement, mm-hmm. through just knowing how to get into the right positions. No, which definitely. is funny as well because if Peyton knew how to read an offside line as well, then he'd be, he'd be, his movement would be even better. Uh, it doesn't really help when the linesman's not keeping well, up, true, of, yeah. not keeping up a play with you. But I think that at, at, at Queens, I think what I'm really interested to see is what happens over the January transfer window. Barry Hepburn's already left the club. I think we were all very excited to see him coming in on loan from Bayern Munich. Obviously, incredibly highly rated at his time at Celtic to get the move to Bavaria in the first place. But just like very good dribbler of the ball. But that's about it. I mm. think he. I imagine he would be an amazing player at a side at the top of the table. See if he was like in Falkirk playing for Falkirk, for instance. Yeah. I think he would be get nine out of ten. But not in a every team week. that's toiling. Not in a team that's toiling. Lightweight didn't necessarily have the stomach for the fight, and I think that a lot of people will be really disappointed with him. I think the other player that's set to leave Queen's Park as well, it might be just street talking on, but Callum McKenna, the goalkeeper, Manchester United are interested in signing with him, signing him. And that goes back to the the point about Queen's Park looking to be self sustaining. If you can bring through these like uncut gems like Callum McKenna, give him a bit of game time and we saw in his limited game time at particularly the start of the season, sixteen years old, this guy looks an absolute prospect. Manchester United sell him, you can sell him Sell them for, I don't know, sell them a million quid, but you get the add-ons and buy-ins in there. That's the sort of stuff that can keep the club going for, for, for a long time. There was talk, again, it's internet talk as well, of like your, your Ali Crawfords, your Cammy McPhersons of this world, maybe coming in to, to supplement the, the middle well, of the park. Of course, now that Davidson's in. Because Davidson's in, this is an opportunity for St. Johnson <laughs> to perhaps uh, get some of the duds they off the way. They can Ali Crawford on another yeah, fan base. Talk, I, I, again, I don't know if it's just street talk, but Stevie May perhaps coming in to supplement that forward line. I, I don't know, you'll know better than me if he's fallen out of favour. He has Johnson. a bit. He has a bit. He's not... He's still getting chances off the bench mainly, but Craig Levine's... Mostly preferred Jai Simi up front as right. the kind of the, the striker to just run and to occupy defenders, and that's Stevie May's job. And Jai Simi arrived as a on on loan winger from Charlton, so that kind of tells you a lot of a lot about where Stevie May's current stock is at McDermott but Park. I, I do think this is something that that Queens Park really need in, in January. It's it's experience they need because I think that the. I'd actually listen back, I was, I was listening to earlier in the week, I listened back to the big preview podcast that Sean and I recorded <laughs> in the summer. The reason, because I thought it might be nice to go and do a bonus podcast. You're really, really itching on some new no. content. Oh <laughs> God, I'm de- desperate for new content to go back and listen to that bit. But the reason I was doing it, because I thought it might be a nice idea to go back and, and listen to an old podcast that Sean and I did, to think, well, let's look at the predictions that we perhaps got right and the predictions we got wrong. And he very much said that Queen's Park would struggle this season because of the poor transfer business that they'd done signing guys who had never played a a very little senior football before. And I think that's reflected is that they're they're young guys and that's fine being young and making mistakes and and learning the game. 
not when uh, eight of the outfield players are all in the same boat. So they definitely need a bit of experience. And if that is your likes of a Cam McPherson or an Ali Crawford, you're going to assume if they were encouraged to drop down a level, they could definitely bring something to Queen's Park that's that's missing. Ali Crawford would have to play better than he did in his loan spell at Morton, was it? Where he was dreadful. Again. I didn't realise he was on loan at Morton. I take that back then. Maybe just but don't sign. I, I would have thought he'd still be able to do a job at the, the championship level, especially near the bottom of the table, but he'd have to play better than that. But the, the, the big the big thing, though, sorry, sorry, I know you're looking to, to, to move well, on. Well, I was just going to ask about Dunfermline, but yeah, oh, yeah. keep going. The big, the big thing I was going to say about Queen's Park is it goes back to that point you made about replacing Marion Buca. Are we going to be a team that develops young players, that, that really goes out of your way to develop young players? That's the whole ethos of the club with the aim of selling them on. Or do you you continue to do that, but certainly not to the same extent, and you become effectively like another just any other championship team. That's a big thing. And then on yeah. top of that as well, like there's Leanne Dempster has has left the club. I'm going to gauge online sentiment and saying I don't think she'll be particularly missed at Queen's Park. And obviously she goes. I think there's talk that she's leaving because of health issues. Yeah, and it, it, and you've got to clarify, obviously. Which are all very well. Yeah, our, yeah. Our convalescence and hope she's she's back to but her best the, the soon. Queen's Park fans weren't impressed with the job that she did while she was there. No, I mean I, I read the statement on the the Queen's Park website, and I think they were talking about her achievements since she took charge. And I think she managed to transition from sort of amateur football into like a professional full time club. She did great stuff with the the academies. No mention in there about the stadium issue, and that's still a, a massive. Yeah. That's still a massive. Like great area as to what's happening with, with Queen's Park. How long are you going to be playing in Hamden for? I mean, the fact that you spend two years playing at uh, Fur Hill and Oakville View, particularly the season they were at Oakville View, because that had been an amazing time to build the fan base when they were like neck and neck with Dundee going for the championship. To move back to the city stadium, as if we want to give it a sponsor's title, to move back to Lesser at a ground that's got a capacity of about like, what, 500, 600 people, a butt. Got an amazing royal box that's in the middle. That's that's a that's a bit of a shambles, and you can completely understand why fans not happy with that and not happy with the the lack of communication mm. at the club that came out. A lot. Oh yeah, the, the communication was always terrible. Yeah, really bad. I mean, there's the the the, the joke about um, when uh, Robin Velman left the club. That was like two sentences in the website. But they had hospitality, a steak pie hospitality. There's loads of <laughs> load, loads of information about the about the hospitality. And that was what was strange as well because at Hibs. She was always very communicative. Mm. Like it was just weird to see her go to Queens Park and kind of disappear. Yeah, the but then of, you from the, the kind of front line, you don't know what's happening. Yeah, exactly. like, like no, I, think, I, I think that's the thing about Willie Hawkey's intentions have never properly been explained. I don't think he. I mean, somebody might need to to let me know, but I don't think he's actually given an interview and said this is what I want yeah. to do with Queens Park. This is where I, this is where I see the club. This is where I want to take them. The only interviewer that went behind the scenes I think it was a bit of a I think it was the eye the eye paper a bit of a puff piece about their academy and what they were looking to do about about the data oh, about yeah. Marion Buker you know the one I was talking about yeah hi did they not use some daft like Cinderella or something like something like that aye it was when they were going for the championship it, was, it must have been about like six like, or seven aye, months like ago one of those ones you see a team rising up the lower leagues you go oh that's a story uh, story and then, Lucky underdogs. Yeah, and then it takes a, the, the search for just going pine Bovril and go like, ah. Then 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 you get an idea as to as to why why Queen's Park are, are where they are. 
And Henry, like you say about them filling, because we, we talked about earlier, like they're just missing so many well, players. And I, I did wonder, because we were like in the chat during the game, because I, I didn't see the game, but I saw the messages in the, in the, the Terrace podcast WhatsApp chat. And there was kind of a bit of, it was joking, but people kind of saying, like, is McPake a bit under pressure? Is he, is he going to be at the door soon? But I, I couldn't really see any of them filling fancy that. Everybody was just kind of philosophical about the fact well, that their team's in bits. Did you watch his post match interview? No. Ah, his post match interview was really interesting. He said, he didn't want to to really focus on the the injuries. He said, like as he said, basically Queens Park wanted the game more, and he said that as soon as Aaron Comrie went off injured, that was about the seventeenth minute. It was certainly midway through the first half. He said, as soon as he went off, there was a, a feeling from the players that, ah, oh, well, we're not going to win this tonight. I don't know. That, that's always a, aye, That's. That, he said it's that's, still that's it's a, still a, it's still eleven versus eleven. That's a that's a wee bit more. That's a wee bit more troubling, actually, than just saying it's injuries, because injuries is actually a, a, a good and valid excuse. Mm-hmm. Whereas just saying that Queen's Park want it more, like, well, you're the manager. Why do the players not want it that but, much? Especially when you're not on a good run of form yourselves, uh, and you're thinking, while we're down at the bare bones, if we're actually going to get a victory, it's probably going to come at Queen's Park, who are terrible themselves. But is it the sort of thing where, if you're a player, or, and you're a young player, because there's a lot of young guys, I'm sure there's, bo- especially there's boys coming off the bench, I'd, I'd never heard of. Aye, well, uh, but that's the thing as well, when you, when you blame the players for not wanting more, I think it always, and I think, again, go back to something Sean said. Oh, we missed you, Sean. I'm fun in Australia. Seen his son. Yes. It's like Philomena, um, but it's uh, Sean off to Australia. <laughs> good film that. That was a good film, man. I can watch. I can actually watch that. The flight test. Uh, no, we because uh, we did. Remember, we did a, a, a yeah. I was on it though. Oh, you know on it. You and the two others. Right. No, I, was, I would never. I think. It, I, I think it was you that uh, picked the film. I would never have watched it. Uh, but nevertheless, anyway. Yes, sorry, Sean, Sean, about, Sean, said, Sean, Sean said previously when he mm-hmm. was talking about managers who say like the. The opponent wanted it more. It's often like kind of a bit of a red flag. Like, well, you're just not taking any responsibility for your part in it. And yes, he's down to the bare bones. There's not much you can do. But I still looked at their team, a back three of Comrie, Hamilton, and Edwards with O'Halloran and Moffat as the wing backs. I was like, hmm. And then Comrie gets injured. It brings on Miller Fenton. He's a left back who's never started a game before. He puts him in the center of the back three. It's like, you can at least try and move away from the back three. I know that maybe when things are, when you're struggling a little bit and you've got so many players out, that you maybe rely on the system more than you rely on individuals. And then it's maybe harder to change it about. But there, there, there gets the line where you're just like, you're just trying to fit in far too many square pegs in a round hole here. The way you might look at it as well is though that when he is coaching Dunfermline, they might only be coaching one particular system Mm. So why would you want to disrupt the system and then go for something that nobody's, fam- that yeah, nobody's well, really I mean, familiar I mean, with? You're already disrupted. But you it's, know, it's like, I, I heard someone say that it was when, and I, I'm going to have to bring up the English Premier League here, I think it was when Chelsea played Tottenham Hotspur and when, when the Hotspurs got two players sent off yes, and they were still, Ange Postecoglou was still insisting on playing that, that really big high line and I think that there was arguments of why didn't really lucky not to get <laughs> But it was like the, the, the question of why did they not change shape? Why did they why did they not like like drop deeper and absorb pressure? And I think it might be Michael Cox who said, Well, they've been coached in this certain way. Surely it's best to just keep on doing what you're familiar with doing that had up until that point certainly paid a lot of dividends. It's the old uh, the old kind of conundrum. Do you do you do you prepare a plan B? I just make oh, plenty better. better. Yeah, I mean, I do have, I do have sympathy with McPake because, as we mentioned there, that list of players that he's got missing 
that is a that is a pretty pretty handy. Oh, I mean, to go there uh, get well, like Reese Breen and Kyle Benedictus and 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 players like that. I mean, there's there's like these, these guys would walk into most uh, most teams in that division and, and having to play like Chris Hamilton at centre back. I think I mean he's done it in the past. Certainly not his position. And by moving him into the the centre defence, you saw also weaken the centre of the park as well by not having his his legs in there. I, I did feel I did feel pretty sorry for. For Dunfermline, if I'm being honest, the the night needs some bodies though because Benedictus, he's gone for an R scan. He's been, he's only played twice since September. That kind of feels like he might not even play much at all this mm. season if he if he's still struggling. And what is his bloody name? I've blanked on it. The double barreled name. You and Arkane uh, Richie Hustler. Yes, he's another one that's gone for a scan as well, and he's had a lot of injury problems in his career. So those two players, I can't really. Bank on just coming back and making them better immediately. Aye. It's a it's a difficult thing because this is perhaps where McPeak might be criticised for for his squad building. But I mean, how many unless unless you are like for instance like Celtic, how many players can have like two quality position players? How many teams can afford to have two top quality yeah. players for each position where you can switch one out for another one and you don't and there's no real drop off? Nobody. So Dunfermline are like Dunfermline will be like most teams where where the managers probably got about. 12 or 13 outfield players that he can, he's got cast iron trust in and the rest is made up of youngsters and unfortunately the players that, that he's got that, that degree of trust in just only a handful were yeah, available for that match but yeah d- d- disappointing result the one thing I do want to say and I'm sure I'm not the only person that's picked up in this there was a period uh, I can't remember what half it was in, I think it might be in the second half but any time the ball went into that half there was like a chill box that was just off the pitch it looked like a player receiving treatment so any time the ball, and if you watch the match on BBC Scotland, you'll know what I'm talking about. Any time the ball went into that part of the pitch, it's like, so who's off getting treated? It's a fucking box again. <laughs> it's like the wee laddie with playing with the ball at the side of the pitch at Steady. Yes, that's exactly what it was like. That's exactly, that is exactly what it was like. Craig, you mentioned, well, we just talked about doing plan A better. I saw a post on Pine Bottle today written by yourself mm-hmm. which talked about John McGlynn getting plan A better. Yeah. It certainly was very good on Tuesday night as they pumped Cove Rangers mm-hmm. 4-0 and a drubbing that was going on double that. Yeah, I, I think that the 4-0 scoreline is 100% reflective of the, the match itself. Falkirk were Falkirk were very good in the first half and they steamrolled like Cove Rangers in the second half. I bought a pay-per-view for this match. I thought it was... Because we originally, when we were picking the games we were going to talk about, we picked to do Falkirk Queen of the South. But then with Falkirk playing Cove on the Tuesday, I thought, well, there's there's no point in doing that. We'll just cover the game on the Tuesday instead because etc, etc. So I'm glad that I watched this. It's the, I've obviously keep an eye out for Falkirk. Like, like, all, like, regardless of the situation, always want to, always want to, to see what Falkirk are up like to. Me. What Hibs up to? <laughs> like, like Celtic and uh, Celtic and Rangers fans watching each other. But I always keep an eye out on what Falkirk are doing, particularly this season because they are, they are playing so well. So I watch all their match highlights. This is the first time I actually had the chance to sit down and, and watch uh, Night Falkirk for ninety minutes. They were excellent here, really, really good. Got to say that Cove Rangers, in terms of an opponent didn't really offer much at all. Well, yeah. I, I can talk about that right now because that's something I want uh, to bring up. Bloody hell, how negative was that team? Fucking hell, man. It's all, Cove basically set up in a, a 4-5-1 system where it was effectively... Two of the centre midfielders are centre-halves. Aye. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I was, I was trying to be a bit more positive <laughs> than that. Uh, effectively, it was a bank of four and a bank of five and get the ball up to 
try and soak up whatever Falkirk are going through at you and then get the ball up to Roman Burrow and then, then press up from there. The man who famously in the, in this division has been shown that it's very good, very, very good. One of the best players in the division, if not in the shout for the best player, mm-hmm. when he's got a partner with him. When he's up front by himself, nowhere near as effective. 100%. I, was, I, was, I actually felt a, bit, uh, felt a bit sorry for him. I feel, feel sorry for, for people a lot of the time this evening. But I did, because the ball would go up to him and he would do his best to try and hold up. He was being marked by, I thought Tom Lang was excellent. I thought Tom Lang was the best player in the park. Tom Lang did not give him a second speech. And I think at one point... One of the signings the, of the summer in Scottish football. Oh, Tom, Lang, Tom Lang's been excellent. And we'll come on and talk about him in, in greater detail just shortly. There was one point that Burrell actually kicked out of him. I think uh, Lang had to go get treatment. So you could tell there was a degree of frustration there. But all they tried to do was try and smother Falkirk. Then when they won possession back, get up to Burrell, try and go and press up next to him. And it just didn't work because Falkirk are too good a team there's, there's, I don't think there's proper credible opposition in that division. Falkirk is better than everyone else. It's reflected in the league yeah, table. Yeah. Falkirk are better than everyone else. And when the the feeling I got, if Falkirk score first, Cove aren't going to come back from this. Falkirk scored just before the interval. I think Cal Morrison scored a good goal in 41 minutes. And then, like, seconds, about 40 seconds after the, the restart, Nick Suman drops a corner. The entire Cove defence stop. Liam, <laughs> Liam Henderson... He takes a touch, he's, he's, he's about two yards off the goal line, takes a touch and blasts it home because the defender next to him stops what he's doing. And at that point, just says 2 now. I mean, I'll be honest, my interest in the match kind of dipped after that point because you kind of knew it was one-way traffic. And the second the second half after that goal going in, Hove Rangers barely mustered anything whatsoever. And then Morrison got a second, Oliver scored one late on. But I very, very impressed from what I saw from this Falkirk team. And for Cove Rangers... We'll obviously, we'll break the constituent parts. And for Cove Rangers, who had won another a wee bit of a sticky spell at the moment, but they'd won seven games prior, I think, their last five matches, they had looked as though they could maybe go and upset Falkirk and Hamilton at the top of the table. And that's not going to happen. They're in their own. They're, they're doing what all Hearts fans want. They're in their own wee third place. <laughs> <laughs> you'd yes. love to be. You'd love yes. to be a Cove Rangers fan. Please. Yeah, not really much more to say about Cove. They are, they are missing a few players themselves. Falkirk, well, you mentioned there, troubling Falkirk and Hamilton at the top. Are Hamilton going to trouble Falkirk at the top? What's the gap? I, I, I don't have, uh, I don't have an internet signal at the moment. I think that, are, are, are Hamilton going to take them? No, because what, what, what needs to happen is... Like Hamilton, I've got a game in hand against Stirling Albion. Yeah, but they're eleven behind. Uh, they're eleven behind. So, so what, basically what needs to happen is Hamilton need to have the, win their game in hand. Probably one at the Falkirk Stadium. Yeah, the hope Falkirk drop points somewhere. Probably to Montrose or someone like that. Falkirk drop points somewhere. And then win the next two games against Falkirk. I, I, I can't see that happening. Against a team that are 25 games undefeated. Yeah, well, there's the other thing to say. And on top of that as well, like Falkirk's recent run, like they've won their last seven matches. They've conceded like just two goals in the process. And they're smashing teams up. Like, like Yeah, Aidan Nesbitt's in great form recently. Cal Morrison... Like, we all know about his ability at that level. He just abused Jacob Jones in that game. Maybe one thing to be a bit concerned about is Ross McKeever going off. I've got to say, though, yeah, but Ryan Shanley came on and did I well. I was just saying, yeah. I've signed Ryan Shanley and he looked quite handy. I, know he's a decent I, player. You know, as well, when you look at the Falkirk bench last night, the guys that were like Stephen McGinn. Stephen McGinn hasn't played much football this season. I think very much the two in, that, in, that, in John McGlynn's 4-2-3-1. The two are it's Brad Spencer and, and Liam Henderson. That that are that I know they're going to be here too, but you've got on the bench you've got Ryan Shanley, Jordan Jordan Allen, like Stephen McGinn, 
Like Sean Mackey, like all guy, guy, these guys that are, that are very, very decent for that level. All guys that can, Alfie Agaman, you know, all guys that can come on and make a positive difference to the team. I don't think there's any other side in the division that has that that depth of of quality there in the team. Shall we just move on? Well, I suppose we have. Yeah, there's the, not really. The, the, you're going to talk about Tom Lang. I, I think one thing to say is that McGlynn, I mean, last season really kind of petered out. <laughs> And they were mm. really disappointing. And then there was the disaster, an absolute capitulation against Airdrieonians. Don't think, I, I didn't have a look myself, but I'm going to assume that there was Falkirk fans pissed off enough to call for his head there. Yeah. And there would have been other clubs. There would have been a lot of clubs that would have been reactionary enough to say, right, okay, this this, it's this, not worked. this, this not worked out. Thanks for your efforts. We're going to try somebody else now. Let's let's go again. They decided to, to, to wind it back and McGlynn very astutely saw the areas in the team that he needed yeah. to fix. They needed, they needed to be better, they needed to be much better in defence. Mm-hmm. And they needed some, a bit more fight and a bit to be able to dominate the midfield is a lot mm-hmm. better than they were last year. And that's where Henderson and Spencer came in. Yeah. And Lang, obviously, has been... Lang has not only transformed the defence because he's... Well, Lang has not only played brilliantly, but he's also transformed the defence because he's brought out the best in Cole Donaldson. It's, it's interesting. It's like I... That post and Pine Bobby you're talking about, there are a lot of parallels between themselves and Stennis Muir. And we'll... Don't want to, obviously, we're going to be recording mm. a bonus podcast about Stenny, but effectively, Falkirk and Stenny both use the same formation, a 4-2-3-1 formation. Last season, with Gary Naismith coming into the team, he very quickly identified the areas that Stenny Spear were lacking in, and very similar, he has upgraded the same positions that John McGlynn's upgraded in. So, we'll just be not interested in Stenny Spear at the moment, we'll talk about Falkirk. Like, so, so, you bring in Tom Lang, who is like really aggressive, a winner. You could see that, like, even at 4-0, He's still hammering into people and, and winning the ball and just setting the standards for this team. Donaldson, I don't think Donaldson's ever quite fulfilled his potential. Remember when he went from Livingston down to Queen's Park yes. Rangers and you think this guy's actually got a chance because he certainly looks the part, you know, ball playing, sort of rangy, and he's funny rangy he, centre back. He, ever since then, so he came back, he was at Dundee United, which was an absolute disaster yeah. of, of a spell. Even when they got relegated and they were in the Championship, he was still hopeless. But then, like, try to just have a look at him because when did he move to next? Yeah, he went. Uh, then he went to Cali, mm. and he was decent in Cali. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Oh, he turned it around." And then he went to County. I can't remember. Remember at County? I don't think he played well at County. And then he was at Dunfermline, where I think he was again a bit kind of so-so. Yeah, I think he was. All, he was was at the relegation. That yeah, oh, that was it. Was, that was the season. Well there, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, you're dropping down to a level. I mean, it's all about. I mean, when, when players drop down a level, it's it's all about up here, isn't it? Because obviously, you've shown you've got the quality to to have played at a good level before, but it's up here. You can just like sort of like be, oh, I'm too good for this, and and you don't you don't try it. Terrible last season because he was alongside Brad McKay, mm-hmm. a very just kind of similar player to Cole Donaldson, a kind of guy who's got six all months the, left in his contract as well. Brad McKay, <laughs> just never forget. Got all the physical tools mm-hmm. to be a, a very good centre half, but lacks the concentration. Yeah, lacks the kind of awareness. And but if you put him beside somebody like Lang, who has that, then. Somebody who's able to just kind of guide them through a game. Totally. And he's very good. Totally. Sean, I mean, what is it? Sean's talked about uh, Tom Lang in the past and said that he's a very good sort of like a upper League One bottom end championship defender. And I mean, if Falkirk do get promoted, that's perhaps something they need to address. But for the moment, he has been a transformational sign. Middle of the park, Brad Spencer. He was excellent last night. And then you go Ross McKeever as a forward who can knit everything together. Because I think previously, having guys like, like Gary Oliver, for instance, or, or, or Jordan Allen, guys that have got their uses, but they don't have that like real wrecking ball presence that, that Allen had, that, that um, McKeever has. I'm sure when he was signed from Allo Athletic, 
like his statistics, if you just look at his raw numbers, his goals, I think he'd like something like five goals last season at the at the Rex. Not great. And if you were a Falkirk fan, you're already down in the dumps about having been in the division, or be, like be, this year, entering your fifth year in that division, and you're going into it with a guy that couldn't hit double figures for Alo Athletic, you'd be like, what on earth are we doing? But he's been class. And very similar, like he, by just being up there and winning those balls, you've got three very talented players that play off you. Calvin Miller, Aidan Nisbet, Callum Morris and Calvin Al- Mills for now. Yeah, he's been excellent. He's been excellent. Alfred, Alfredo Aguiman. You know, you've got these options that can play in, in that hole there. And by having McKeever up there, it really knits it together. I don't know what the prognosis is for us, if it's a long-term injury, if it was just a knock. It'll be interesting to see how they can function with, if it is Ryan Shanley there. Because you need that they've been quite lucky in that regard, Falkirk. That none of the key players have been injured for any long periods of yeah. time. As they've been able to, to largely... Pick they've, they've about the, the same. McGlynn has largely gone for the same, like twelve or 13, 14 players every week. We bit of rotation in that front three, but it's largely the same group of players. How did he go off? Was he stretched or anything? Or did he just nah, just what? Just just uh, went off. Aye. He took a wee bit of a bang. Cause I because I saw somebody say I like, went down with nobody around him, but I was like, is that a case of going down with nobody around him because he's put his foot in the wrong thing and it's possibly a knee injury, or is it just a case that he sat down? And going, <laughs> I, I'm injured. Stop the Aye. game. But he was, he was good, but I mean, for, for as good as Falkirk were, and you, you really, this is quite a funny game to talk about, because as good as Falkirk were, Cove didn't offer much at all. I mean, like... the, the can't pro- they just play counter-attack and that was it. Aye. And even then, like, they're, you're playing, like, their Euro and Connor Scully on the wings. This, this, Class, this, a waste, it's a waste of Connor no Scully. support to the Borough at all in this game. Total waste of Connor Scully, total waste of Blair Yule. They're really good players, and I mean, Yule can play wide, but Connor Scully's a central midfielder. Judge a really neat and tidy, someone that can keep the ball ticking over, quite combative, and you're you're, you're wasting him by by play, playing him out there. The probably the the high point, or certainly the funniest thing, was any time that Paul Hartley stepped out in his technical area, you go, Paul Hartley, you're a wanker, you're a wanker, <laughs> and that was very very clearly picked up on the the cameras that were there. But just 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 on the how how negative that, that Cove Rangers were, I read the statistics for the game. At the weekend, Falkirk won Queen of the South. No, Queen of the South had one shot in that match. No, they had 56% possession and one shot. Aye, so I think that, I, I don't know if now teams like, I mean, there's there's two full-time teams in the division. Two two teams who you would expect on paper to drive Falkirk. Not as good as Falkirk, no. but to at least go there and give it a go. And to go there and play so negatively, it's you're almost letting Falkirk win the, the title. Give it a go. Just, just, just go out there and then give it a go because I mean they can be got at. Like I don't think their fullbacks are particularly strong. Like Finn Yates is a, Finn Yates is decent, but he's effectively a central midfielder that's playing right back. Leon McCann, Leon McCann had a good game last night. These guys can be got at. Mm-hmm. So you can try and get them pinned back and and get overlaps and so on and try and exploit them. Give it a go. If you go there and just sit in and just try not to get beat, or just give your all stars centre forward a, a partner. It's like I mean, like if, if, even if you want to just play with two banks of four and just knock it long and just like. Put in the area him, give him some day to help occupy defenders, and he might do something. If you just pick him up from by his own, you just ask him, right, we're going to try to keep a clean sheet. Can you just try and win the game by yourself? Mm-hmm. And then, and, and then if you look at Falkirk, you've got like McKeever up front who can hold the ball and pop it off. If Falkirk need to go direct, they can. They need to go short, that they, they can. And it's the three, the three in behind that will do, uh, do most of the damage. All right, well, we kicked off the podcast with a team that won its first game in months. How about another one? Yes. Clyde 3, Bonnie Rig Rose oh, 2. Sorry, man, sorry. I don't mean to, to steal your thunder there, right? But I'd actually, because I'd this written down, <laughs> right? It's, um, it's, it's just completely, none of the games we're going to be talking about here. This is a bonus thing that I observed. I watched uh, the interview 
on Edinburgh City's TV channel between uh, after from Michael McIndoe, they were interviewed <laughs> after the side lost 3-1 to Allo Athletic, right? The interview was four minutes and two seconds. Okay. Right? How many times during the interview did Michael McIndoe say Dave? Right, okay. So the last, oh, I can't remember, I think the last time he asked Sean. 24 this. and 6. Tw- 24 and Aye. How many times did he say Four minutes, two seconds. How many four minutes, two seconds. Again? 17 times. Yes! <laughs> yes! Yes! Michael McIndoe said Dave 17 times in that four minute, two second interview. Now, it might have been 18 times. I think he said mate instead of Dave. So it might have been 18, but I've definitely, I've gone for, I've gone for 17. I counted it up on the first one he'd done, which again wasn't that long. It was only about three minutes or so. That, 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 the, the one that we kind of put the video up about and we, we've talked about it at length. It started this this trend, and I counted it in that one, and I think that was only like twelve. But again, it was like three minutes. Mm-hmm. But again, one of them though, it was kind of like it was hard to tell. He said he said a word. Mm. He said a short word after the end of his sentence. But I couldn't tell if it was Dave. I think I'm just like if in doubt, just assume it's Dave. I think that's <laughs> that's the easiest that's the easiest way to to go with Michael McIndoe. <laughs> Uh, sorry, I completely uh, cut you yeah, off on your introducing right. don't, don't that match. Don't they call Dave? I don't think in either of these uh, teams. I should have saved that. I should have saved that one for the very end. But just so when we're talking about, uh, hey, I'm happy. I got it. I got it bang on. So that's, uh, that's I fine. think uh, I think they're playing Falkirk this weekend as well. Yes, they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was actually talking about this uh, to you and Taylor on a Patreon that we did that was released yesterday. That I completely lost my train of thought there. What the hell was I talking about? about You and Taylor, you're talking about Edinburgh City. Oh, yeah, Edinburgh City. Sorry, sorry, yeah. That when they played, was it Aki's recently? Mm -hmm. And they were at home? They were 33 to 1. Yeah, aye. That's that's extraordinary. Absolutely extraordinary. (laughs) They'll mean, I mean, McIndoe, he's he's bullish. I mean, he's obviously a fairly bullish guy if you kind of look at the company that he keeps and what he does with himself. He's quite bullish though that they'll begin to start picking up points. And I think they're quite fortunate that Annan have been pretty, yeah, well, pretty well, wretched. I mean, a good point against Montrose there. They did, Edinburgh did play quite well against. See, a good point against Montrose, no, they chucked it away. They were two up against Montrose and Montrose, uh, Montrose yeah, drew two each with them. Yes. But they did. Know. But there you go, there's the thing against Aloe, you were there's a 1 1 up until the 89th minute. 89th minute, and then you kind of capitulated a bit then. Getting OZC back as well. I thought he'd never kick a ball again. Uh, three, the, the, three goals and three. The Love Island residues, as you get, you, you get the, you get kind of a wee bit of increased intention as a model, so mm-hmm. he probably he would have got offered a couple of jobs, and then he also would have, he definitely, definitely would have been doing this, he would have been doing the nightclub circuit. Of course, of course. Where doing the kind of, oh, come meet this guy for Love Island, and that's dried up now, so he's like, I'll go back to Edinburgh and play football again. I said that, I said that to Sean, I said that to Sean, just, uh, God, Sean's great, isn't he? <laughs> well, I, I, I said that to Sean, it's like, it's like, just you milk this for all it's worth, because it'll be, the, the attention yeah. for this sort of thing's fleeting. Go out there, make a bit of money from it, and then when nobody cares anymore, just go back to Edinburgh and go and start playing football again. And, you know, I, I've never particularly rated him, I always think his good games come around like one every seven or eight, but I mean, he's been... Seems to be having a great job at, uh, at Edinburgh scoring goals for them, but I do think I do think they're going to struggle against Falkirk. I do think they're going to struggle. Right, speaking of a team that was struggling, yes, finally. So well, Clyde, can, can, we, can we talk? Can we finally talk about Clyde? Is that okay? <laughs> so they're still bottom of the table. They're in tenth place. A five point gap between them and Forfar. But this is already you're seeing evidence of exactly what Clyde fans were hoping for. Ian McCall, great manager to get for, for yep. that level. Undoubtedly, they knew there was money coming in January to spend. Ian McCall's already started spending it 
and already it's making a difference. Yeah, aye, 3-2 win over Bonnerig Rose. First half performance might have been Clyde's best, maybe the, the best uh, half of football that we've seen, geez, oh, maybe since the Danny Lennon team that won promotion from, from League mean, Two. So you're going, going back a wee while. Certainly not a lot to rival it in the time between. No, no, three expertly taken goals. Yes, Bonnie Riggs defending Third is absolutely incredible. Bonnie Riggs defending is absolutely shit for two of them. <laughs> but nevertheless, been been very, very impressive, very, very impressive stuff from them. But then as as good as they were in that first half, they almost chucked it away at the end there with being two well, some really bad play. Right, I was from, say, two big factors in this. One you talked about how well, well they played. I think there's no there was new signings that were made. They brought in they signed two centre halves right yep. away. To, to improve the defence. Lee Hamilton and Craig Howie, yeah. both of them played well. Hamilton in particular, I think fans were impressed with his kind of calmness on the ball. That also meant that that, that shifted Logan Dunnicky to, to right-back, mm-hmm. who has been one of Clyde's very few bright spots this year I at centre half. However, he played very well. He scored one and set up another. Yeah, I think that... I mean, <laughs> looking at... I mean, we want to talk about the Clyde players that, that Clyde have got. So, I mean, remember Jim Duffy was the director of football and the fact that seven... Are the players nine if you want to include the loan signs. In fact, there's seven players are right away. So guys like Dylan Duncan, Fraser Malcolm, Ross Forbes, who most people have heard of, but Ross Forbes, John Craig, Kyle Gunn, Cameron Mulvaney, uh, Josh McCulloch. He's gone in civil. He's joined civil service and loan. In fact, the seven of these guys have said. I think the only reason McCulloch would have probably maybe he's got a two year contract. Dunnicky is like the, yeah. the unalloyed success. I mean, Dunnicky looks like Dunnicky is a, a a big big laddie, and if he can got the physical tools to make it in the game, but if he can play alongside the experienced players that can talk yeah. him through the position, and if he can play it right for a, a wing back, or he can play it full back, he can play it centre back. I think you've got a, he's a guy that can uh, do something positive for Clyde. Yeah, those new two signings at centre half. You also had Robbie Leach further forward. He looked good. He played a played a good part in the, the first goal. Him yeah. and basically King made that by opening up yep. the space in the centre of the area. But a, a key factor in this was Ray Grant. Returning to the starting lineup for the first time in months, mm-hmm. and he was only able to play sixty minutes, and they had complete control of the game for sixty minutes. Lost that control a little bit after that. However, I still think they would have been heading for a comfortable three 0 victory, maybe conceding a late one. But was it for? I love this goal. I absolutely love this. Ross Lyon, what the fuck are you doing? Fucking hell, man! <laughs> so, like, I, I, I to watch. So, so obviously, There's two brilliant goals in this game, right, both for very different reasons. Right, King's goal is a, is a work of genius. And this is just, it's like from a Danny Baker video. It's superb. Like, he, he gets the, he picks up possession, Ross Lyon. I think he was playing left wing back in yes. this game. Aye, or, or left back, Left I back, aye. They were playing a, back, they were playing a flat back four. That's aye. right, Peter Grant wasn't playing. So it was a flat back four. Hamilton and Howie and the new centre-backs in the middle. Dunnicky one side and, and Ross yeah. Lyon. Now, Ross Lyon, by trade, is a, is a right full back. I've seen him play at left back. He was a Stennis Muir player. So he's one of, one of the BSC six Okay. No, honestly, man, you know, like, like the injustice for like the Guildford Six or however. Oh, I just, the, I just uh, thought the Newcastle Five. Ah, that's the Newcastle Five. You know, it was like a miscarriage of justice. No, the big miscarriage of justice was Stennis Muir signing so many dumplings for the same football team. Anyway, so Ross Ross Lyons, like, like, not the worst player in the world, but I think at Clyde he's been badly shown up. And you read the comments in Pine mm. Bovril, and you you see him. I'd like I saw him like last week when Stennis Muir beat him too. I wasn't particularly impressed by him. He's quite fast, right? He can be quite fast on the mark. And that can cover a multitude of sins. I don't think he's a particularly good player. But this, there's between me not thinking someone's a good player and someone making such egregious a mistake that you're actually like, what on earth are you, you doing? Picks up the ball about 30 yards from his own goal under no pressure. 
and he's got numerous and, and Robbie McGill basically sort of like it's like hearing a noise like you know Robbie McGill's like somebody who hears a noise in, uh, downstairs so he basically pops his head around you know to see what, what's that <laughs> and he sees Ross Lyon dribbling as fast as little eyes can carry him he sticks out a toe to take it away from him and then all of a sudden because I mean you see Lee Hamilton like, you know, he, he moves, like, so there's a saddler is, is lurking inside the penalty box. Hamilton moves away from him to give Lyon the option of a pass. Because if he knocks it back to him, Hamilton will just yeah, stick just it. Like, Hamilton will just okay, lo- launch it, launch it, and just, just reorganise. He doesn't do that. Miguel pokes it to a saddler, and it's an easy finish. And Lyon, you're like, what the fuck are you doing? The second goal, I've got a wee bit of sympathy for him because it's a... I, I think it's Connor Doan tries to play the ball into the box. It takes a deflection... And I think a Sadler gets the run on Lyon to finish. But they're both Lyon's fault with that first one especially. That's a bad, bad mistake. And Clyde, that's something Clyde... And he probably Ian McCall probably already has. He's probably got a left-back signed up. His Lyon's just not cutting it. Not good enough. I'll, uh, I'll actually see if I can stick in the, the two goals that we're talking about. The, the, the Alex King goal is, like I said... It's brilliant, brilliant goal. And, yeah, the, the first... Bonnery goal needs to be seen to be what this that was, that was pissing Aye, but, but the, the, go, the goals in, in, in that game the like Clyde's goals I think Ian McCall said it in his post-match interview like the goals there was something to like about all the goals I mean that that first goal it's it's really really well worked from Clyde's perspective the fact that you've got great interplay between Leach and King in the middle of part and Leach I think that you know only going by the highlights but everything cl- good that Clyde did came from from having Leach in there I think he's a really good sign all the players that Clyde have brought in actually are all really good signings uh, on paper certainly the ball played out to Dunnicky and it's a good ball in but you really have to question I, I was looking at um, I think it's uh, like Kerr Young just seems to, to he almost seems to like wave like Connor Young on almost like 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 somebody who stands at the top of a uh, like a, a water park, you know, when it's somebody's <laughs> when it's somebody's turn to go down the slide. Like, like that's you watch it back, and you almost see like he puts a hand in his back. I'm not sure if he pa- if he's passing him on to Neil Martiniuk, who, who's who's playing on set. I'm, but both of them, like Martiniuk's not a clue what's going behind him. Kerr Young just is like right on to you, and 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 he finishes terrible goal from from Bonnerick's perspective. The 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 other one like um, Dunnicky's goal. The, the one from the header you kind of see him given but I think that it's like Martinio and Callum Connolly kind of both lose sight of him and he, he doesn't really need to jump far to get it the third goal however goal of season contender like that from Alex oh, King if that's might not be his final game like he's gone back to Morton but McCall intimated yeah. that, that he that he's he trying to get back but pff, fucking hell man what a what a finish that's one of the goals of the season I mean to hit that with your left foot first time McCall said that he played him out on the right because he he wants him to come like an inverted winger almost to come inside and finish, but that we that we give and go with Leach finish it like that man just just beautiful goal and the, he hits it. Paddy Martin's got no chance because that ball is hit very high and it just dips like underneath the the crossbar. Quick, quick little celebration after it as well where he's just like just, just the stand and he's just like yeah I'll do this all the time. <laughs> oh, but the best bit was see Robbie Leach puts his hands in the back ah, of yeah. his head like what the fuck was that. <laughs> Oh, it was good, but that's that's the, the 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 thing is is that was a really really important win for Clyde because with Elgin City winning at the at the weekend, you know it's kind of they've they've got to effectively keep pace with them. I think Clyde, I get the feeling Clyde will be all right. I, I think obviously the five point gap at this stage is still quite a lot to try and make up, yes. but I do think I'll be able to do it. Or for Athletic, other team uh, that I suspect will be 
in, in a bit of trouble, which I never in a million years would have thought um, we would say at the at the beginning of the season. But just what, what McCall's doing is like that, that team that was signed at the beginning of the season is no fit for purpose. I mean, no, like the guys that, that are there who are good enough, Ross Forbes isn't fit enough, and the guys that are fit enough aren't good enough. So he's done well to be able to just tear up these contracts and, and be able to get and and if he's got like McCall said he's got another uh, another good few players. You got Ray Grant coming back effectively a new player given yeah. how long how long out he's been. You'd have to fancy Clyde's chances. I mean, if not this season, then you'd imagine next season if the money's still there, they will be able to kick on and challenge for the top four. Still big question marks about why they're going to be playing and all that sort of stuff. But on the pitch. Certainly, because uh, the whole crown positive. point thing fell through. Yeah, it did, it did. That's gone to the Finnart Football Academy. So I don't know what Clyde are, are going to do next. So we talked about. So we're talking about the bottom of the table. It still it feels a little bit reactionary to to talk about Bonnerig in those terms. They are still ten points ahead. But if Clyde do manage to recover, Bonnerig are only five points ahead of ninth now, and they're in really bad form. They've played so. That was their ninth game since they last played Clyde, which mm. they won 3-2. Since then, they've won twice and lost six. Both victories against East Fife, weirdly enough. Mm, they've beaten 3-0 uh, the, the previous week. Yeah. Aye. Aye. They, I beat them 3-0 and they also won, did they not win 4-1 as well? Yeah, they, they, they pumped them. Pumped them, pumped them <laughs> weird. <laughs> it was really weird. <laughs> I, I, was, I, was, I was actually t- taking a look at them, Bonnie Rigg, because I can understand supporters' frustrations mm. with, with, with how things are at the moment. because. And I think because what, what Spartans are doing is exacerbating that. Because yes. you've got a team who, geographically similar-ish, obviously yes. Spartans are from Edinburgh, the Bonnerig, not a million miles uh, down the road in, in, in Midlothian. Both Lowland League champions, both have come into the division within 12 months of each other. And you've got Bonnerig who, like, other than the start they made to, the, to their maiden season, they've, they haven't really done much. I think they're. Well, have a bigger core fan. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to. Because I've spoken loads of times about how how much yeah. I rate Bonnie Rigg and all that. Everyone knows who listens to this. How, how much I rate uh, Bonnie Rigg as a football club. But you look at Spartans who have come into it and who are at the moment could be the the, the main contenders for Stennis Muir. Still, still a big points difference. But the way they've won their last four matches, they are progress. They've um, progressed in the Scottish Cup. They've got a big game against Hearts to look forward to. Uh, which so, I'm not actually going to. Which you're going to be able to go I, to. I never, I never actually, I never <laughs> had any interest in going to at all because I knew it would be a nightmare to try and get a ticket. Ainsley Park's not a great place to watch football. It's not a great place to get to. We've said that many, yeah, many, yeah. many times. However, I was offered a free ticket by my best pal because he's like, I've got two, and the guy who got me them can't go now. So do you want to go? I was like, well, right, right. I'll just hang out with you. I, for a few that hours, sounds so, yeah. alright. That's how I used to spend the day. But when you see what Spartans are doing, then you'd be like, like fuck them. What's going on here? What I did, right, I actually had a direct comparison between the Bonnie Rig this season compared to Bonnie Rig last season. Bonnie Rig are actually better now than they were last season. I actually didn't think that was the case. Mm. I thought Bonnie Rig had regressed. That's not the case at all. Bonnie Rig last season, after 18 games, they had 20 points and they were in eighth place. This time around, they've got 22 points after 18 games <laughs> and they're in fifth. So they they are in a they, huge strides. They are in a better position. It's it's just it's. I just wonder. Like I thought that last season that having given contracts to everyone who won the lower league, I think there was only five players that departed. Having given contracts to the team that won the Lowland league, take the season to acclimatise. 
survive, stay in the division. They did that. And then you might see some degree of evolution. There really hasn't been any degree of evolution, though. That means like <laughs> yeah. Bonnie, like Bonnie aren't the worst team I've seen play the, the, this season, but they're perhaps the most like eye bleeding side to, to watch because it's like balls are just like thumped. They're, they're like they're, it's like very much. I know they they have come from from junior football, but I think that the football on the pitch is still of a junior standard. Where it's get the ball up to the big guy, let's rush it as quickly as as, as for. I mean, the bulk of the team are all about like what six three. As well, not a lot of football in there. I mean, they work hard. They're really enthusiastic, and they, they give you a hard game. I've said that all the time. Like my own team, Stennis Muir. Any time, I actually went to the last time I was at New Dundas Park, beat them one 0 After about ten minutes, I wanted to go and watch, sit in the car, and just watch the game come, the scores come through in football because I get so anxious watching football there because they make it so difficult and so claustrophobic for you. But it's just I can understand why people are just getting a wee bit fed up of what, what Robbie Horn is offering up at the moment. Yes, and they're, they're, the form as well, it's a fan base that for... Because they do have the, the big fan base that we've talked about before, but it is something that's still relatively a new thing. Like, before they had decent crowds for, like, junior football and stuff, but it was it was only really the last couple of years kind of fans getting caught up with a dream let's try to reach the... You're winning, because you're winning most and weeks. Win, and they're winning every week, so that's why they're getting, like, 800 people turning up to the ground. These fans are now a bit kind of like, hmm, this isn't this isn't fun to watch yeah. at all because not only are they not winning, they're not playing good football. Mm-hmm. And you talk about that, they need to to. I think at this point, kind of revolutionise the teams. They've tried to evolve it slowly. Problem is, look look at their recruitment since they've come in to the SPFL. Like if you look at last season, they're still really dependent on a lot of players who are who got them up, mm-hmm. and they're still dependent on those guys as well. Like. I think this campaign they signed Gus Miller at right back, who's been good. Other than that, there's not really been a whole lot that's properly added it. It's the, still it's, the it's, big thing. Like he is terrible at signing strikers. Oh he's, god, he's really bad at signing strikers. I mean, Asadlor got two goals there, and weirdly, Asadlor when they last played, played uh, this of course because this is, this is the, we're going round into the second, the, the third round of fixtures here. When they last played at New Douglas Park, Sean and I did a podcast and very complimentary about him. However, like he only seems to really play well against Clyde. There, there are times like I mean they've they've let go of already this season. Ali Ufai was was has been mutually consented. He's he's terrible. Mm. Xander Murray left the club. Yep. Um, he he wasn't good enough for the SPFL. They've got Liam Buchanan in the books. Great player in his day, but he's thirty seven now. You know you can't really uh, rely on him. And and a Sadler who's a similar to he sees good games come around every five or six, seven or eight games. So they need they need another striker, and I do think they perhaps need to get someone who with a bit of pace that can play out wide because they're pretty predictable to play against. I think they, need, they actually need a few. I think not just a striker. They need their defence is looking quite. It was the bedrock of the team, and also other than Magaki's kind of late season flourish, the main reason they stayed up last year is that they didn't mm. concede a lot of goals. They did sign. I mean, one of the things that they did do uh, was get Paddy Martin on loan from Falkirk. Yes. He's he's been an excellent yes. signing for them. I think he's since they've come into the SPFL. I think he's definitely the yeah, best, the best signing, one of the best goalkeepers in the division. But other than him and Miller, there's not really been a whole lot that's been added that's been real kind of quality in the midfield, which was such an important part of their, their team when they came up and was what kind of made them, despite the fact that they are a direct team, what made them good to watch was these guys in midfield. But Lee Curry getting on, Johnny Stewart getting on. Guys have signed haven't been good enough to make sure that they don't play. Mm-hmm. So it's just Robbie Horn is is un, certainly under pressure 
But it is January. If he can manage, finally, to, to sign well consistently. Like, I can imagine they'll be looking to bring in about three players this month. You reckon three, four? If, Probably, if, 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 the books, if the books will allow it. I think he has to. For him to... Well, I was actually thinking, as long as... I still think they will. I, I started off the section by saying that they need to watch because if Clyde do recover, then Bonnery can be in trouble. But I still think they will just churn out enough results that they'll be fine. That They'll finish about 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, whatever. I, th- I can see, unless things improve, though, I can see them... If things turn drastically bad, then, yeah, they probably will say to Robbie Horn, thanks very much for all your work, mm. but we, we need to go in a different direction to save ourselves. But if things just kind of stay the same as they are, I can kind of see them getting to the end of the season and then them going, thanks Thank for all your hard work. Didn't kind of dismiss you mid-season. This is a good time to part ways. It's difficult to call Fowler at that division because the top four looks sewn up. I think the top four has been sewn up for a couple of weeks now and you can talk about where the various teams are going to finish. But I think the top four is going to be Stennis Muir, Spartans, Dumbarton and Peterhead. Beneath that, though, is very, very interesting, very difficult to pick because you've got two sides who I thought would have good seasons for Fernie's five. Massively uh, underwhelming. Then you've got like Clyde, who have got the capacity to improve. Clyde are improving. We've seen that there with that, that result. That first half performance was excellent. Elgin have put together two really good results, and they've, their game in hand is against is Clyde Elgin. That could be a that could be a real six pointer at that. Stranraer, don't think Stranraer are a particularly good side. Again, I've seen them twice this season. Since we were beating eight 0 five 0 at Oakleview was the best performance Denny have turned in in years. And then you've got you've got Bonnerig who we've discussed. So it really feels like a a much of a muchness there. And I think that Clyde certainly, perhaps mostly on the inner side, have got the capacity to improve. And it's like four for the ones to to watch out for. Four for the ones because all the guys they're signing. The first it was a boy. Is it Daniel Lobin? Think a young boy they signed for Dundee United, and they're carrying so many like like these waif like boys for for Tayside and Angus. You know you need like experienced players. Comes at a premium, however. And I just not know if sure if the the funds are there at Station Park. But I, nevertheless, to go back to the original point, good first half of football by Clyde. Two terrible mistakes by Ross Lyon, the first one especially. <laughs> yeah, hopefully I'll be able to insert it into the YouTube video of this because that that was that was very funny. Right, I think that'll do us. That is, that's, a, that's a nice tight uh, hour and five minutes. That that is that is good. Well done. Remember the, remember the podcast we used to do when it was in your old flat in Edinburgh, where it was me, you, and Sean. They were the, those were the days. Those, those were the days. They I were a lot of fun. Just take them off and just like <laughs> sit back and just let like, you talking and I, just come in with a half witty remark every now and again. I, well, they were half witty is a wee bit. You've been a wee bit too kind to yourself there. <laughs> but it, is, it was the idea. You 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 had the element of control there. You had that element of mm. control because you you kept things in order. Sean and I just completely lose run of ourselves. Uh, well, I'll tell you, especially since I'll be getting filmed next year. We'll do next year's lower, or this year's, in fact, next season's lower league preview. I think I'll be hosting that just to, to move things along. Okay, well, it's listening. Sure, either, sure. either that, either that, or you record it the week before, so you give me like an entire week run up to, to edit. Or, or we'll just do what we normally do, and you can just edit it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if that would fit on YouTube. Six I, mean, I don't get fit on my computer. Oh, really no, 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 no. There's, there's, um, there's, I watched a, a really good video. I, I don't know if any of the listeners have listened to it. It's uh, called Plagiarism in YouTube by H. Bomber Guy. Have you seen that? No. Very, very good. It's, been, it's, it's about four hours long, so not quite as long as the, the lower league podcast. But he's all ta- he talks about how um, various YouTubers are, are like stealing like, like academic texts and, 
and articles and so on, and he, he eviscerates this guy called James Somerton. Very satisfying. But very sad, actually, quite poignant at the same time, because James Somerton was a queer creator, and he was basically stealing all the work of other queer creators and passing nah. off as his own. So, aye, great, great video. Watch it. Honestly, I'd highly recommend it. Four, four hours sounds like it's quite intimidating. Guy's a great presenter. It's a really good video. Give Content theft online. Well, I never. He says the man is going to steal Clyde's videos and stick them yes. up online. Aye. <laughs> just a, you're just as bad as James Somerton. There you go. I admit to stealing though. <laughs> he, but the thing was, well, he uh, actually this is actually quite solid yourself. He's a patron where he's making tens of thousands of dollars off the back of other people's work. Christ, you are, <laughs> you are James Somerton. Dollars. Oh my text. god, Canadian dollars even at that. Whoa. All right, Toronto. Cannot. No, that's not quite right. Oh gee, it was really funny. You ever seen Fargo before? Yes. Now I know that Fargo is set in the United States, but see, yeah, close. I see the bit that looks like the worst sex of all time. Yeah. See the bit where Steve Buscemi is shagging that prostitute. And she's like, "Oh yeah, that's it. That's it. Real good. Oh yeah." And then Shep Proudfoot comes in and beats him with a belt. <laughs> Sorry, that's just saying the Canadian. I know it's not Canadian. But, oh yeah, that's oh, yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, real good. Real good. Nearly there. Yep. Right, that will do us. Thank you very much for listening. We are, as we mentioned earlier, going to record a Patreon podcast where I am going to ask Craig Telfer all about Sten Ismier's 10-match yes. winning run. Oh. 10. 10. T-E-N. It's going to be good, man. It's going to be good, so make sure you get over to Patreon to, to listen to that. Yes. Oi, Telfer, that's just like every other podcast you do. There's all mentioned about Stenny. Yeah, but this is going to be about 45 minutes. <laughs> Talking just about the wawas. So that is patreon.com forward slash test podcast, and that will be on the £2 a month tier. Right. Craig, say goodbye. 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 And for the weekend, I hope you enjoy your football. But. Oh, please do so respectfully. So uh, no flares, no pyro, and no drums. God forbid. <laughs> goodbye. Podcast Network.